I don't think I was 10 years old. My mom was standing in the kitchen frying bacon or an egg or something like that, and I found my dad's duck call. I don't know if he ever hunted ducks, but he had a duck call. And I thought, wouldn't it be funny if I take the duck call and jump out from around the corner and blow it and scare my mom? It'll be great. She'll think it's hilarious. So I snuck up to the kitchen. My mom is standing there frying the bacon. And I jump out. I blow the duck call as loud as I can. My mom screams as loud as she can. She about hits the ceiling. She jumps so high. And she turns around and throws the spatula at me, which I just barely dodged. And to my surprise, she didn't think it was anywhere near as funny as I thought she would. I remember slinking away thinking, well, that didn't work out the way that I thought it would. Has something like that ever happened to you? You had a picture of how things would turn out, and it didn't turn out like you thought it would. A lot of Jesus' disciples felt like that in the wake of Good Friday. When we turn to the scripture this week, we're a week after Easter. This passage tells the story of later in the day of Easter itself. And let me give you a little context. Some of Jesus' female disciples went to where Jesus had been buried and found the tomb was empty. There were two angels there instead, and the angels said, Don't you remember? He said he would be raised from the dead. So the women run back and they tell the rest of the disciples about it, but the disciples don't believe the women. Peter does at least get up to go check it out for himself, and he finds the tomb empty, but didn't know what to make of it. So at this point, that's all they understand. Jesus was dead, and we have no idea what happened to his body. So Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? It's Easter, and these two have left. Why would you leave? Well, you'd leave because it's over. You've given up. It's time to go home. And so they're trying to make sense of things. They had such high hopes, and their hopes, near as they can tell, all have been dashed. And so now they're depressed and disappointed and pretty much hopeless. It's disorienting. They thought they had this all figured out, but it didn't turn out the way they thought it would. Did you feel that way at any point this year, or maybe at every point this year? God, what in the world is going on? This is not how I thought things would turn out. So many important things were affected. Family celebrations, deaths, births, reunions, graduations, sports seasons, the list goes on and on, and the pandemic went on and on. So some of us left, literally and figuratively, figuratively. We just can't deal with it anymore. Or probably all of us felt like that one time or another and wandered off and tried to make sense of things. In their disorientation and discouragement, Jesus comes to them and they don't recognize him. Interesting. Two things to note. One is that Jesus comes to them. God always initiates. We may turn to God 
But then we'll find out that he was already there, reaching out to us, walking with us. And number two, they don't recognize him. So let's leave alone why they don't recognize him. And let's just roll this around in our minds. Jesus comes to us, and we don't always recognize him. It's totally scriptural. Read Matthew 25. Jesus shows up a lot in and through other people. It blows my mind a little bit. Jesus is there more than we think, and often we don't think he's there. Not in a weird creeper, I'm watching you sort of way, but in a, I never leave. I never abandon you. I never give up on you, no matter what you think or your feeling. Think about that and consider some of your low moments that you had this year. How would it have changed things if you could have realized that Jesus was there with you? Back to the scriptures. They say, are you the only one who doesn't know? Let's interpret this in an unsnarky way. We can't believe somebody doesn't know this. And then what does Jesus say? Verse 19, what things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just the way that they had said, and they did not see Jesus. What things? Tell me about it, Jesus says. I think that's fairly amazing. Have you ever had something on your mind or on your heart and wondered, is there anyone who even cares enough to listen? And here at the very bottom, feeling hopeless, feeling depressed, feeling disoriented, Jesus enters into their experience, their story, and says, tell me about it. That's the character of God. Your huge heavy burdens or the minor irritations. Jesus' response is, tell me about it. Share it with me. That's the reason he becomes a person, so that he can enter fully into our experience. So they start to share. What do they say about Jesus? Well, they get the basic outline of the story, right? But they miss two really important elements. Verse 19, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. He was a prophet. Interesting. That's not what Jesus really said about himself. That's probably the closest frame of reference they have. One of the prophets. It's not what they wanted. We'd hoped that he was the Messiah, but it didn't turn out that way. We thought it would look one way, but it, different, but it didn't. These things happen to us too. We claim things about Jesus that he doesn't really say about himself, and it lessens who he actually was. Jesus, oh, he was a good teacher. He was an ethical leader. Yeah, but that's not what he said about himself. He said he was God in the flesh. So he was either delusional or he was right. And if he was crazy, we generally don't call them wise teachers. They're disappointed because Jesus didn't turn out to be what they thought. Interesting. Because what happened was exactly what Jesus said would happen. This throws them partly because they weren't paying close enough attention, and partly because they still had their own agendas and preferred futures. They thought he was the Messiah, but he was put to death. 
And they thought that was the end of it. Failure, because messiahs don't die. What they're going to find out is that he is the messiah, he was put to death, and it was through his death that he did the, what the messiah needed to do. He broke the power of sin and darkness and the stranglehold of death. They wanted a political leader. They aimed too low. Jesus came to change lives and to fix the world. Maybe that seemed too lofty of a goal, or maybe it just didn't seem immediate enough for them. Verse 25, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer those things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. This sounds harsh and maybe it's a translation thing. But we can't miss that there's some personal responsibility called for here. Yeah, it's confusing. It's not how you thought it would turn out. But the scriptures are there. God makes, his clear, God makes clear his plan and purpose. It, it reminds me of the cumulative effect of getting into God's word. It's the source of wisdom, and the more you expose yourself to it, the wiser you become. Devotional times and scripture study get inside of us and transform us and our worldview. We grow in wisdom and understanding, and we find the ultimate answers to the great questions of life. Where do you go to find answers? Tucker Carlson, Rachel Maddow, Whoopi Goldberg, Megan McCain, Chris Wallace, Jake Tapper, your buddies, your favorite podcasts. Maybe they have moments of transcendence and wisdom. I don't know. Personally, I'll take Colossians over Colbert and Hebrews over Hannity. I didn't hear the Bible quoted nearly as much this year as they did a lot of other people and a lot of other sources. And I wonder if that's why we have such a hard time, even among ourselves, understanding what truth is. Verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? This is just basic human decency. It was getting toward the end of the day and we don't know if he has anywhere to go. So let's extend some hospitality. Let's invite him to dinner. So they sit down to eat and Jesus leads the prayer. And when he prays the blessing over the bread, breaks it and gives it to them, all of a sudden they get it. This is Jesus. He's alive and we've seen him. And then he's gone. Two interesting things. Their hearts were stirred when they heard the word. Their eyes were opened when they shared the sacrament. They understood who Jesus was through the word and they experienced Jesus in the sacrament. When both things happen, they discovered that Jesus had been there all along. Where was Jesus in all of this? He was with you. At this point, where they feel most abandoned, there he is. And here's the bigger thing that's happening here. The resurrection of Jesus is God's declaration that things are being made new. There's a new creation. Paul says that if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Why does there need to be a new creation? because the old one is broken. 
and it's broken at a meal. In the first creation account in Genesis, Adam and Eve share an apple. And when they eat the apple, their eyes are opened, and it results in their death. As a result of the resurrection, here you have the account of the first meal in the new creation. They share a meal, the Lord's Supper. And when they eat it, their eyes are opened, and it results in life. That's the whole meaning of Easter. Everything is being made new. We are being made new. Verse 33. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So they go back to Jerusalem, at, I assume, a quicker clip. They go back to the group, to the newly formed church. And what's the testimony they hear and share? We've seen the Lord. It's that testimony that forms the church. We are the people who have seen the Lord. The confession of the church is not about a political party or an economic theory or a particular social issue. There are a lot of organizations that exist solely for those things. The confession of the church was and is, we have seen Jesus. And only the church says that, we have seen the Lord. We need to keep reminding each other of that. I've seen Jesus. When we encounter Jesus, our eyes are opened and we see things for what they are. We see ourselves for who we are. We see Jesus for who he is. And if we ever lose the centrality of that confession, I fear that we will simply end up wandering off to our own Emmauses and never actually see Jesus among us. There is this important pattern laid out here. We go out, we live our lives, but then we return to the group to share how we have seen Jesus, to be reminded and to live the confession again, I have seen the Lord. So here's a couple of action points. Get into the scriptures. Intensive scripture study, regular devotions have an accumulative effect. I know it can be boring, so start at an entry level. If you're going to learn to play the piano, you don't start with a Rachmaninoff piano concerto. You start easier. Find a way to be with people who have seen the Lord and share their experiences. Small groups, mentoring relationships, listen to some good podcasts, and let us help you. It's been a challenging year. It hasn't turned out like we thought. But Jesus, he's been here all along. So here's a couple of questions. How would things be different if you realized that Jesus was there with you? When was the last time you saw Jesus? And what's one thing you can do to ground yourself further in God?